They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. And Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Elliot, here Nathan, we are again. I can't believe you started by saying wow again. I know. Okay. My bad. Let's start. Jeeper, G. Willikers, Elliot, here we are. Nathan, but what's this? We're not alone. We've got someone else in the in the chat. Hi. Yeah. Okay. Yes, we are. Lydia Cowens. Uh, yeah. Whoa! It is our estranged sister, I'm, Lydia. We're not estranged. Well, we're not estranged yet. <laughs> um, yeah, not to jump ahead to pass the banter section, but we did think that you know just what this world needed was more men reviewing movies <laughs> really made for women. So we decided to have. Noted woman, join us <laughs> on our podcast. Yes, <laughs> only I woman we can think woman. of. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's why Lydia is here, Elliot. I just wanted to ask if you had seen all of the things that look like they're going to get delayed due to the strikes. Uh, no. I I know that I've seen a few. I guess like Deadpool three is on yep. indefinite delay. I think Dune 2 might get delayed because of potential reshoots or something like something along those lines. Uh, I don't know about anything else. Well, they pushed back. I know you care a lot about this, but they pushed back Yorgos Lanthimos's next. I knew that's who you're going to say. I knew it. I knew it. They pushed it all the way back to December. It was supposed to come out in September. Now it's been pushed back to December and apparently Disney's currently looking at pushing back pretty much all of their like fall slate as well because the actors can't do promotion promotion for it. So how, how stupid is that? But again, I just want to reiterate that we here at Magellan's at the movies, our guests included, I'm assuming stand behind the right of the working man to strike. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I am in absolutely. favor of the strike. Yeah, I think the only other big movie news is what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Uh, Barbenheimer was huge, significantly bigger than every analyst. I think Barbie was something like 50 million over projections, and Oppenheimer was almost like doubled projections. It was, I don't know if our parents have already told you this, Elliot. It was the fourth biggest opening weekend at the box office or fourth biggest weekend at the box office in movie history, not adjusted for inflation, behind only the opening weekend for Force Awakens, Infinity War, and Endgame. 
So it was above like the opening for the first Avengers, the second, like any Marvel, any other Marvel movie, any other Star Wars movie. It, I mean, that is huge. It's really hard to overstate how bonkers it is that two kind of artistic not IP really related films made this much money. I mean, Barbie's based on a doll, but it's the first, you know, live action Barbie movie. There's quite a few animated ones that I was forced to watch due to our guest. I don't believe that I forced you to watch them. I don't believe that either. Thank you. Well, I, I remember us having to watch the like, oh, shoot. What's it called? The Prince and the Pauper one? Oh, yes, the Princess the Princess and the Pauper. Mm-hmm. I remember having to watch that like a few times. It's possible those were like the nap time movie that I got to pick because when it was a movie that we were watching as a family, like on a road trip or something like that, I remember that it was always a boy movie. Like it was usually Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that that doesn't sound very likely. <laughs> I think it does. Well, let's let's not get into long-standing sibling bitterness. Uh let's let's try to let's move past the banter and let's talk about the movie. So we're doing Barbie today, we're doing Oppenheimer tomorrow. Lydia's not going to be a part of that. But as Nathan said, Lydia is a woman. Lydia even played with Barbies. Uh, I'm told as of today that we played Barbies with her. I don't remember that, but I'm assuming she's not lying. So I say let's start with the guest, uh, initial impressions, and a bit of context for what this movie means to you as a diehard Barbie fan. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yes, uh, the boys did play Barbies with me. Nathan, I saw him, like, nodding his head, so maybe he remembers playing Barbies. Nathan, fun fact, actually also had a Barbie, but as our parents are always apt to to say, quick to say, um, that Barbie had a very hard life. She was driven off of cliffs and thrown into walls. So she, she would have been the Barbie in this movie that, you know, was like weird Barbie. So yes, I think I, like a lot of women, have a complicated relationship with Barbie. I remember playing with Barbie as a kid. Um, I had a, I know I had multiple Barbies. I had a Barbie van. I had a Barbie kitchen set um, and a Barbie horse. Those were the things that I was really like excited about having. Um, I know I had at least two Barbies and a Ken and I think some Kellys. I had some stuff that I got from mom when she was a kid, which was really cool. So yeah, I remember playing with it. The moment that I remember distinctly realizing that Barbie was problematic was we were shopping for gifts for Operation Shoebox, which for those in the audience don't know, is a program from the Salvation Army. You put together a shoebox with hygiene products and toys in them and then you can designate the boxes for like zero to three three to like eight and then like eight to 13 or something like that and then it gets shipped uh to another country and I wanted to put a barbie in the box and my mom informed me that that might not be a good idea because um 
all of the Barbies that were available at Walmart at that specific time came with like bikinis. <laughs> like none of them had full clothes on. And she explained to me that that might not be appropriate in some of the countries that the boxes were going to and the skin tone and the breasts and everything. And so that was when I don't know how old I was, seven, eight, something like that was when I realized that she was controversial. And then as I got older, of course, seeing the numerous articles about Barbie as a woman, if you will, is totally unattainable. Like if you made an actual human with the dimensions and proportions of the Barbie doll, she wouldn't be able to stand. She would have terrible health problems and all of those sorts of things. But, and this is something I told Elliot when I came over and I was talking about the movie. I also remember when Mattel came out with Barbies that were different sizes. So there were short Barbies and tall Barbies and skinny Barbies and larger Barbies and all those sorts of things. And it was like, the promotion was like Barbie my way or something like that. And I was in college. So like way out of the range of wanting to buy Barbies anymore. But I was seriously tempted. And I think I actually did go to the Barbie display in a target just to see if I could find a Barbie that looked like me because I was like, this is really cool. And it would be really cool to have one from like the original run. I didn't do that, but I do remember that push happening. So that was sort of, like I said, I, I, to try to capture that, I think that I, bring what a lot of women bring to Barbie of, of like, there are some really fond memories with it. And like what we see in the movie, a way to connect with our mothers, but growing up and being like, wow, this is actually like really controversial. And how much is Barbie actually for girls and how much is it influenced by the male gaze? And how do I reconcile my beliefs now as an adult about what women can and should be with the beliefs that I had as a small child who really loved this thing and and how to walk that wire. And I think that at the end of the day, Barbie is an exploration of that baggage, which is why I think so many women love it is because it gives voice and an answer to this question that so many of us have wrestled with of like, where does Barbie stand in feminist history and where does she stand in our lives? And can we continue to accept her and give her to our daughters without making the patriarchy stronger or whatever sort of thing. So I hope that answers your question, Elliot. That, that answers my question and then some, but uh, <laughs> that's fine. We're, we're no strangers to long rambling takes on this program. That's for darn sure. So uh, Nathan, how about you? You don't have a lot of that context for this movie, but uh, give us your, give us your opening thoughts. Well, firstly, I would just to, like to say that, Lydia, I think you looking for a Barbie my way, Barbie is kind of pointless since you already have the same dimensions as a Barbie doll, essentially. Yes, I, wasn't, I wasn't as tall as a Barbie, so I was looking for because they had like petite Barbies that were shorter. So I wanted a petite brown haired, like a brunette Barbie that was like that would look like me because I never like that was the big thing with American Girl dolls was getting a Barbie that looked like you and you could customize it and that sort of thing. And I never had one, but that was like, that was the big appeal of American Girl Dolls. So when this came out, I was like, oh my gosh, here's my chance to live 
vicariously through Barbie, my American Girl doll dreams. Amazing. Um, Elliot, to answer your question, I think, and we've already talked about this on the podcast before, that I came into this movie with a lot more, a lot higher expectations than I think you did. Just because the, the caliber of people working on this were significantly higher than you would expect in uh, a movie financed by a doll company about a doll. I mean, Greta Gerwig is one of the most talented directors working right now. She's wildly, you know, amazing. Her last two movies are very good. Noah Baumbach, her ex-husband, I think, helped her write the script. And he's a fairly big deal. Marriage Story was a really big deal when it came out a couple years ago. He directed and wrote that. And then Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie. Ryan Gosling does not do a lot of stuff nowadays. So the fact that he was in this speaks to the quality of the script or spoke to. Now we've seen it, so we can see if that quality is real. Uh, and then Margot Robbie is kind of the same thing. She's a very talented actress. She's not in a ton of like incredibly stupid movies. All that to say, I went in with very high expectations I would say my expectations were met for the most part. I have some issues with it. And I think it's good that we have Lydia here because it's really obvious that like, at least I'm not going to speak for Elliot, but I am not coming into this movie with as much Barbie baggage as it sounds like Lydia is. I mean, you know, so I think it's just a very different experience, but I had a lot of fun with this movie. I think the first hour is probably the best part of it. But, you know, I'm interested to see how, you know, how this conversation shakes out. Elliot, what did, what were your first impressions? So like you said, Nathan, I was, I was the, I was not very impressed with these trailers. Uh, and I was kind of, I kind of experienced some pre disappointment with the movie, because if you'll remember from our favorite directors episode, Greta Gerwig got an honorable mention in that I do think she's a fantastic director and I've really enjoyed everything she's made thus far. So I had lower expectations for this. Um, my initial position on the movie was that it was a, it was a decent, decent time. It was a slightly above average movie. Um, there were some jokes that really landed for me. I loved Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Obviously Greta Gerwig brought it on the directing side, cinematography, technical aspects, all that is good stuff. There were just some mechanical things that I didn't quite love and some things that felt like the movie was wasting time. And I always hate it when a movie feels like it's wasting time. And then kind of the inception for Lydia coming onto this podcast was yesterday when she was here, we were talking about the movie and she was explaining all these things about Barbie. And I had a bit of an existential crisis where I was like, did I just not engage with this movie on an intellectual level at all? So I'm obviously, well, I guess not obviously, but I am sympathetic to a lot of the individualistic or the sort of specific experiences that this movie brings. I have a, I'm having a secondary existential crisis now because I don't know how to, how, quite how to factor that into my rating because I don't think that I can rate a movie based on the experience of someone else. I can only rate a movie based on my experience of it. 
So I'm also interested to see how this, my, my rating is flexible is what I'll say. I, I'm going to see where we're at, at the end of this thing, but in general, like as a completely as a, as a product of its own merits, I think that it's a pretty decent movie with great performances and um, some legitimately funny jokes. That's just bogged down by some time wasting. Well, and I'll jump in here because I think Elliot is making an important point when you evaluate. There's a lot of reviews floating out there on the internet <coughs> from men um, who are like, this movie sucked. It was absolutely terrible. And I think that Elliot has very humbly put what the situation is there, right? That it is – we were talking about it earlier today, and I was like, it's not a movie made for men. It's a movie made for women and I think that Elliot is right that you do have such a different experience with this movie if you have some sort of maybe not Barbie baggage but experience with Barbie to analyze the movie through because if you don't have that it's not going to resonate with you but what I think is a strong point about this film and it's part of the reason that I like Zootopia so much is that I think this film very much could be used as a conversation starter about feminism and the experience that women have. You know, there's that whole sort of montage where the mom is deprogramming the Barbies and she's saying the quiet part out loud, if you will. Like that could be a really good way to start a conversation with men who don't have the experience and want to know, well, what does that look like? What does that feel like to explain and to demonstrate, which, like I said, this is part of why I like this movie is because I think it could be a jumping off point for those conversations. Sure. And I think, I mean, I, I don't think the movie is made as exclusively for women as some people are making out. I think Ryan Gosling's Ken has a very good arc that, I wish more men who were watching the movie would like gravitate to and be like, Oh yeah, that's, you know, that's a really good point that the movie is raising. But, and I also think we talked about this, I think way back when we reviewed eighth grade, where we said that sometimes movies are not going to be necessarily made for you. And in order to, enjoy them more or in order to really give them a fair shake, you're going to have to do some work and put yourself in the shoes of a character that is different from you, a character that is experiencing something that you've never experienced maybe, or something that, you know, is just very different. I had this experience with Moonlight, which is a movie about an African-American gay man of which I am none of those things. I'm a man, but I'm not any of the other things. And so watching that movie was an experience for me of, okay, I have to engage. I have to put in some effort. And once I did, I really love the movie now. And so I think Barbie is a similar sort of thing. So I, Lydia, I think you have a thought because you have your finger on your nose. Well, <laughs> I think too that is sort of the interesting thing about this movie is that Barbie is sort of a clean slate to the expectations of womanhood, right? Like in Barbie land, she is, and I was telling Elliot this, like, I, I think it's so interesting that we start off with Barbie land as like the utopia idealized dream of feminism. And so Barbie is like, yeah, women can be anything and isn't this great. And 
I think the part that the movie doesn't quite go deep enough into is, okay, well then what is the place of Ken in a world that looks like that? Isn't that just as oppressive as the world that we have right now? And I wish that they had gone a little bit more into that. But Barbie, having not experienced those things, and then she shows up at Venice Beach, and, you know, she has that line to Ken, you know, Ken's like, oh, all these people are looking at me, and there is no undercurrent of violence, and Barbie is like, they are looking at me, and there is definitely an undercurrent of violence for me, you know, that, like, that that there's this sort of blank slate experience of, of having looking at the world from one perspective and then all of a sudden having to shift dramatically to a very different paradigm and wrestling with that, having never had a chance or needed to wrestle with that. I think that that also makes it, I think from a storytelling, hopefully then from a storytelling perspective that gives the audience a chance to latch on and experience what the character is experiencing and then understand like, okay, I don't bring a shared experience to this, but because of the way that the character is doing this, and I think saying a lot of those things out loud, the struggle of how do you do this? How could you possibly, like, why would you even try to live in a world like that? Um, and okay, well, here, here's why. Here's, you know, I think that that could be, like I said, I think that could be a really good learning point for people who maybe don't have that experience. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think maybe we should start talking about the movie. We've had a really great discussion <laughs> around the movie. Let's start discussing the actual movie. I think we should start with Margot Robbie's Barbie and the arc that she kind of experiences in this movie. Elliot, what did you what did you think of you know Margot Robbie as Barbie and then kind of Barbie as a character? Well, Margot Robbie's a great actress. I I haven't really seen her in anything, like, really good. I think I've seen her in Suicide Squad, which is terrible. The Suicide Squad, which was okay. Uh, the Harley Quinn movie, which was fine. What was the other thing I've seen her in? I can't remember what it is now. Something better than those. Something that showcases her talents more effectively. And I thought that she did a great job here. Um, I don't really have any notes. I thought that... One of the funnier jokes in the movie was when she says that she's not pretty anymore and the narrator says, note to the filmmakers, Margot Robbie is the wrong person to cast to make this point. I thought that was that was pretty good. Um, I liked her arc. Uh, it was a very... I mean, I feel like the Lego movie has kind of... It's reverberations in in movies like this have not fully petered out yet because I think her arc in this is very Emmett like that she's realizing that the world is more complicated than what she thought and her idyllic world was kind of built on lies so it it's not like derivative or anything but it, it isn't necessarily groundbreaking but I still thought it was good and it was well constructed like they definitely put in the effort of making her grapple with these questions rather than her just kind of flouncing through it and making a change that doesn't feel earned because another thing that I always hate when movies do is when they have a character do a heel switch that doesn't feel earned but it definitely feels like her added depth that she gets at the end of this movie is something that she earns through her experiences so yeah I was I was definitely satisfied with obviously I was satisfied with Margot's performance and I thought that the writing that carried the character was also very good very solid Thumbs up. 
Amazing. I can't, you do need to watch. I mean, she is so good in Wolf of Wall Street and Babylon. It is like criminal. I that you am haven't. not watching Babylon. <laughs> Dang it. Watch it. You like it. You won't like it. I know you won't. I just, I, I love it though. Anyway, Lydia, what did, what did you think of uh, Barbie and Margot Robbie. I don't think you've seen Wolf of Wall Street or Babylon either. So you similarly bring very little Margot Robbie experience to the table. Yeah, I bring less Margot Robbie experience than Elliot did. But I I thought she was a great casting as far as like trying to cast someone in such a recognizable physique, right? That like, you know, Barbie very looks a very specific way. I think that... Um, Margot Robbie was the right casting for that. I think hair and makeup and costume with that was fantastic. I mean, it's, I, I don't want to discredit costuming because I am a costumer and it's, it's hard work, but a little bit easy because there is so much reference material for Barbie to just put her in those sorts of things. But when we get to Venice beach and she changes into something else, something that, that is, you could potentially find on the street, but still fits in with the Barbie catalog of clothing. I thought was good. I, I think that she did an excellent job. I also liked the joke that Elliot said about Margot Robbie is not the person to cast. If you're trying to say that she's not pretty anymore. Um, I think that the, just the way that she shows, she takes a character that's supposed to be, you know, Barbie isn't supposed to think about death or have cellulite, you know, those sorts of things. She takes a character that isn't supposed to have any depth at all and really brings a lot of depth to her without fully losing that optimism that is at the core of the the inception of Barbie, that Barbie can be something for women and it can be a hope. I think that um having the last scene be barbie going to a gynecologist was an excellent choice uh davis and i both thought that she was going to be like getting a job or something but i thought that was absolutely perfect because that like barbie can be president and she can be a doctor like she can have jobs and do all of these things but barbie never could go to the gynecologist before she becomes a human so i thought that was a very clever way to end it and she was so excited about it and I was like I want to be that excited every time I go to the gynecologist like the, you know again seeing that optimism that Barbie has and you know and a good message to to go see your gynecologist which is important so yeah I really liked Marco Robbie as Barbie wow this is uh, we're always trying to increase our female viewership. This episode, this is gonna do it for us for sure. That's a that's a, that's official Magellan's at the movies advice. By the way, see your gynecologist. Yeah, get your yep. pap smears. Official, official. Oh god. No. Uh. Yeah. I can't really add anything. Margot Robbie, incredibly talented. She does an amazing job. I thought Barbie. As a character, I think Lydia has already kind of put it in a very nice way. Just this idea of Barbie is kind of a blank slate because she's, I think Margot Robbie in the movie, she plays stereotypical 
Barbie. So she's literally the blankest of blank slates. And then she starts having all of these kind of existential questions. And um, not to flex, but I recently finished a 1950s, 60s, I can't remember when it is, a piece of feminist philosophy from France. <laughs> and... I felt I Elliot's shaking his head because he's just so disappointed in himself that he's not as cool as me. <laughs> but I, I I recently read The Second Sex by Simone de Bouvier, and I felt like there was some of the same ideas from the book, which is not surprising because it's you know feminism, but some of the same ideas from the book in this movie of just this idea that the one of the hardest things about being a woman is once you tear down all of the social expectations about being a woman like and especially in barbie's case all of the like just built-in things that she right she has these funky feet she doesn't have cellulite she you know doesn't think about death once you tear away all these things you have this issue that you're not really left with anything of substance you're left with you're left in a space of just okay now i have to construct what being a woman means to me and honestly the same thing kind of happens to ken and to men that once ken tears down all of his kind of things that he's supposed to be because he's a man because he's ken like there at the end of the movie it takes him a second to realize no way i have to define for myself what being a man means and what being you know a person means and so i thought that was just kind of a neat you know, I had just read this book and then I see this in the movie and I think it's very well done Barbie and Ken's arc of we think we're supposed to act this one way and then we get, you know, we're kind of forced into thinking a different way and they both end up in a new place, which I think all of us is, you know, everyone has social expectations <laughs> And everyone has moments where they're like, dang, I don't really want to do that, but I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. Like, if I'm not this, am I anything? So I thought Barbie and, you know, Ken, because he's a guy and I'm a guy, so I related to it more. But I thought both of the main, like, arcs were very interesting and had a very good message. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I I liked Ken's arc in this. Uh, I don't really have anything to add there because you've put it very well. But Ryan Gosling is a great actor. He's a surprisingly good comic actor. If you've never seen The Nice Guys, go ahead and uh, rectify that as soon as possible because it's fantastic. He's hilarious in it. But yeah, I thought that it, it was a, a good message about for a certain sect of men that... You don't have to, and I mean, for everyone really, that you don't have to exist in the context of somebody who you're just crushing on really hard. And I thought that their relationship had a, a pretty nice arc that Barbie didn't really, was she wasn't really interested in him. Obviously, she wasn't interested in him romantically, but she just wasn't really interested in him as a person either. And I think that she did sort of, she went on a mini arc of that, of where she said, you know, I'm sorry that I took you for granted and not every night had to be girls night. And I think that that's, you know, that that's that's a nice message. And it also points to the fact that this movie is 
trying to do more than just just be about a plastic toy that a lot of people in the audience would have grown past, which leads nicely into the second set of characters that I'd like to talk about, and that's the mother and daughter, whose names I've completely forgotten. Sasha was the daughter. Sasha was the daughter, and the mom was completely nameless. She was just mom. No, I think her name might have been Helen, but don't quote me on that. That might be because I'm thinking of Helen Mirren, who who played the narrator. But anyway, I really liked, um, even before I decided I needed to reevaluate the movie, I really liked their relationship. And I liked how it approached it from the mother's point of view. Because I think that in these types of movies, um, usually it's from the child's point of view. And it's about the parents sort of learning a lesson. But this was more about a mother who was experiencing frustrations uh, stemming from her child rather than the other way around. And I think that that's something that's a bit of a through line in Greta Gerwig's filmography, certainly in Lady Bird, where she takes a much more sympathetic view of the sort of stereotypically overbearing, demanding mother than most directors probably would. And I thought that it was done really well here, and I was I was very satisfied. I was probably more satisfied with their arc than I was with Barbies on the whole. I feel like Elliot has stolen my words because that the analysis about, like, this storyline is normally told from the child's perspective is what I, t- I said yesterday. <laughs> um, I, I swear I, I, I don't I, remember that. Okay. So wow. I... I agree with Elliot that I think that sort of storyline is so often told from the perspective of like the parent is being dumb and they don't understand. And the parent is the one who needs to learn. Um, But here it's um, I, I just think it's so cool because it's, it's the two of them kind of figuring out together how to work, right? Like Sasha is so dismissive about Barbie and then the mom says, like, oh, well, I, I hung on to it because here she has this girl who's growing up and doesn't want to have anything to do with her. And the mom is like, this is my last lifeline to my daughter. And as they're trying to leave Barbie land, the mom says something about her drawings being dumb. And Sasha says, your drawings aren't dumb. I think they're really cool. And that, you know, it's not in a heart to heart moment or anything like that. It, so it reads as this genuine realization of, of what's happening. And then the scene in uh, Weird Barbie's house where the mom is going through, like, you have to do this, but you have to do this and you have to do this and all of those sorts of things. I, I, I felt like there was this realization for Sasha of, like, my mom is handling and juggling so much more than I thought. And I think that um, what I was saying to Elliot is I, I think that it I really appreciate the inclusion there because that is sort of the process I think that women should be going through as they think about feminism because it is so easy to think about progress as, you know, a clear stepping stone of past. And so it's easy to stand at a later point in history and look back and say, well, why did you ever make those compromises? Why did you ever do those things? Completely not understanding that those were the only decisions she had, right? And you have Sasha, who's in middle school. She's hitting that awareness point of some of the expectations that are on women. And she's frustrated with her mom because the solution seems so clear to her because she's so young. 
And then there's this moment where she realizes like, oh, wow, this problem is actually so much more nuanced and complicated than I thought. And the thing that I appreciate about this movie is that it doesn't end there. When Barbie is talking to the character of Ruth, Ruth has this line where she says, we mothers stand still so that our daughters can look back and see how far we've come, which I initially didn't like. But then I was like, oh, the, the, that's, you know, it, it's talking about this acknowledgement, right? That each generation is building on the next and there needs to be maybe not gratitude, but at least an appreciation for the choices that women had in the past were not the same as the choices that women have now. And so it's easy to say, well, why didn't you do this? Or it would have been so easy to do that, but that's because we're looking at it from a lens where we've built off of those women who made those choices that were the only you know, the best bad option that they had. And so I think that that was also really cool that there's this, this sort of reconciliation and realization from the daughter that not necessarily like, Oh, my mom is cool, but the things that my mom are dealing with are a lot harder and she's doing that a lot better than I thought she was. And I think that was, was really cool. And I, I appreciated it being in there. Cause like I said, at the beginning, you know, this is very much like a mother-daughter piece of childhood. So I appreciated that it was in the story. Yeah, I think maybe now we can, you might have noticed that we've spent the bulk of the time talking about, you know, just four, really four things, Barbie, Ken, the mother and daughter. There's a whole bunch of other nonsense in this movie. And, you know, maybe I can show up here and bring some negatives to the table there's a lot of things that really go nowhere slash get completely lost in the shuffle in this film, in my opinion. The Will Ferrell and all the business executives, they're funny, and I like how like silly and stupid they are, but they really don't serve a... It, it feels like they serve a purpose in the movie, and then they keep being in the movie because they aren't written out of it. Like, they serve the purpose of getting Barbie to go back to Barbie land, but then they keep being in the movie, even though, like, they kind of disappear. It takes them way longer to get to Barbie land for some reason. I was also devastated they didn't do the entire traveling montage with, like, way more people than they had before. Because the gag of all of them on the tandem bike was really funny, and I was really looking forward to seeing, like, you know, a huge boat and, you know, a bunch of them stuffed in the camper weirdly. I was really excited and they didn't do it. So there's that. Alan seems like weirdly, like he's got a mini arc happening in the background that doesn't really go anywhere. Also, Elliot, I don't know if you knew this. Midge is played by Emerald Fennel. I did know that. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's a very talented actress, director, Oscar-winning screenwriter. You know, just wanted to give her a shout-out. Good job, Emerald Fennel. <laughs> but I think there's a fair amount of stuff in this movie that gets kind of lost in the jumble, especially near the back end of the film. It, I feel like even Barbie's arc kind of gets lost in this Again, it's very funny. The montage of them distracting the men is a funny montage. And there was only one joke that made me feel bad about myself because it's something I do. 
which is telling people why Robert Evans was a visionary and The Godfather is, you know, a fantastic movie. That's what I thought. When you said there was one joke, I was like, it was The Godfather one. (laughs) Here's the thing. I know who Robert Evans is. So when he said, like, it's Robert, you know, it's a sign of Robert Evans, like, genius producing. I'm like, bro, it was. Like, he's (laughs) spitting facts. But in this whole montage, it's mostly just, you know, a bunch of gags. It's not, it's doing very little, like Barbie's not even in it very much. And even the final sort of gag in the montage of all of the guys playing guitars for the Barbies and then the Barbies, you know, switching up to throw them off. Again, funny gag. It feels like it's, you know, it's not in keeping with the rest of the movie where there's kind of a gag but couched in the gag is a bit of thematic material, I think. See, and I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Yes, maybe it was a little bit too long, but I found that whole sequence really interesting because we've just come out of Barbie having this existential crisis of like, how do you possibly live in a world where, you know, you have to be so many different contradictions And that whole sequence was basically, and this is how women do it, right? Like, this is how one way that they can take back power and agency. And and also, I think, a little bit of a poke at, like, how, I don't want to say fragile because that's a loaded word, but how... Say it. Say fragile. Feel free. (laughs) I won't get him. I won't start we crying. boundaries on this on this program. But but how fragile is that sometimes? Where like like it was so easy for the Barbies to distract Ken, right? Like they played them like a fiddle, and obviously this is not true of all men. But how <laughs> typical that is, you know, like the way like, <laughs> the way you said that clearly means you think it is on she's like not on that she's doing air quotes she did like a goofy dance well i think oh that, whatever i think that it's it uh, not all parts of it are true of all men right but like even you nathan who i think is an excellent human being and a wonderful man and all of those sorts of things right like there was even a bit that you were like but that is true you know like there was a bit that got you and that I think just just speaks to you know the whole of the movie in my opinion that there's these sort of universal themes and so that section is an exploration of like okay so how do women actually navigate this space once they you know because it's 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 Barbies who realize what's going on and it's okay well let's take advantage of this situation to rectify the world's to the way that we think it's supposed to be, which is still unbalanced. Yeah. I mean, so we can obviously quibble about that section in particular, but I think that the, the, the takeaway, at least from Nathan is, and I'm going to put some words in Nathan's mouth here is that uh, the movie's humor doesn't always land. And there are some moments that there are some things that are just wasting time. So I completely agree about the executives thing. Uh, I, by the time they wrapped up their bit, I was like, 
Why are you still here? Can you just go away? The ending did get a little long in the tooth. And definitely in terms of gags that felt like they were really out of place, I thought that the one where Ken kicks Barbie out of his whatever it's called, I can't remember the insane name that he comes up for his house, and he starts throwing her outfits off, and it like does a freeze frame on each one to explain what each one is. That felt like it was really not in keeping with the rest of the movie's tone. Like, I'm, I, I'm not sure where that came from or what the joke was even supposed to be. Just a bit of self-awareness, I guess. But there, there are... I think that was Greta Gerwig just being a, a fan of Barbie. Because I, I was scrolling through Facebook. I saw an interview with her where she had been researching all these different Barbies. And Mattel was like you know we can't do all of them, right? Like, it is a limited amount of time that we have. So I think that was just kind of a fangirl moment. None of them were ones that I recognized, but I think that was giving the audience basically what the mom had when she got to Barbie land of like, oh my gosh, I had that set. I, I saved up my money and and it's Barbie's dream house. You know, like, it was just a, a moment for that and, you know, is it pandering? Should it have been cut? I don't know. It's fun. See, uh, th- this is actually a perfect segue into uh, a different area because I totally, I can accept that that's prob- that that may very well be the case. I don't, I would still say that it's not very artfully inserted, that it probably could have come about more naturally. And this is, this is the thing that, ex- this is the problem that exists at the heart of my conflict over this movie is that all of this stuff i don't disagree with anything that lydia or nathan has said in praise of this movie's themes i and i will definitely take the lion's share of the blame for having the wrong mindset going into it but i still do maintain that you know themes i just said you know (sighs) it's unbelievable that's the patriarchy the real patriarchy is you know it needs to be ended I, i i still maintain that themes have to grow from fertile soil, right? Like you have to tell a good, artful, engaging story in order to get me to really engage with the themes, at least for me personally. This goes back to what we talked about, Nathan, when we us and it being very thematically rich, but formally a little bit lacking. I don't think this movie is anywhere near as formally lacking as Us was, but I still don't find myself, even even as I am convinced of the movie's thematic, thematic depth, I still don't find myself really crediting the movie so much with all of that as I do, like, more external influences. Like, I say, oh, well, Greta Gerwig is really smart, or Noah Baumbach is really mm. smart, or Mar- Margot Robbie is a really good actress, rather than, I th- rather than I'm here thinking that Barbie the movie is a really good uh, staging ground for all the things this movie is talking about. See, I, well, first of all, I always have this tendency to, because these are for the audience, in case you're wondering, these are how the conversations after a movie go for us, like normally. So I will be super in fan of something, and then Elliot will make this beautiful point, and my immediate initial is that I have to defend it. Um, and as an aside to Nathan, I'm reading you just said on you just don't understand, right? Sick. Great which, book. Which talks about this whole thing, right? That women 
see conflict and they want to be conciliatory and defend. <laughs> so I guess I'm just being a woman. But I think that the movie, I I am going to, after analyzing, you know, what are the reasons that I feel like I have to defend this? <laughs> I think that it is still defensible. And I think that it is still a good movie because it sets up the framework for these questions, right? Like Barbie is asking these questions. Ken is asking these questions within the movie. And I think that that, in, I think that that what, that's what makes it so excellent is that it sparks it so naturally that it doesn't feel like it's the movie that's doing it because it's such an excellent jumping off point to, okay, how do we see this in other areas, right? Like that's, I think that any tool, any paradigm tool is good if you can read it and immediately find other places that it's applicable. And so I would argue that this movie is doing that. It's creating this conversation and this touch point that flows so easily into other things that you don't even notice. Now, does that make it a good movie? Like, is that actually the purpose of movies? I don't know. But there is also to get really theory on you. There's this theory within feminism called consciousness raising. And the theory is super simple. It basically just says you have to know there's a problem in order to address the problem. So what the theory calls for is having groups of women coming together and telling their stories because that raises their consciousness to, oh, this thing that I am experiencing is actually a universal thing. So maybe it's part of a broader problematic system and not just like my one crummy bad experience with a dude. And so I think that Barbie in the context of, of feminism and feminist history and theory and that sort of thing does that. This is consciousness raising for women through the character of Barbie and what she's experiencing and the questions that she's grappling with. And again, like we could argue is that a point of a movie does that make a good a good movie and that sort of thing i don't know but i think that it certainly makes it impactful and important and that was really eloquent (laughs) yeah take that you sexist pig elliot all right all right i i can absolutely see all of that i understand that and i think that a movie can be important without necessarily being the best movie I think that I was just, I just wanted the way that it posed these questions to be more engaging narratively. Um, I mean, these are absolutely like we've like we've demonstrated with this fascinating dialogue we've had. These are interesting questions, and it's interesting stuff to talk about. It's just that the place where it comes from, I felt like it could have been done in a more satisfying way. And when I look at Greta Gerwig's filmography, I think that she absolutely has the capacity to pose interesting questions in an engaging way, story-wise. I did, I, yeah, I, I think that, uh, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm sort of running out of gas here. This happens a lot. I wonder if, if maybe that's partially, I I think that's valid. I have also noticed over the years that you and Nathan just approach movies differently than I do. 
but I wonder if if part of that has to do with like there's only so far you can take Barbie in one movie, right? Like the sort of things that you're asking if we lived in a world where that actually does happen, then does it take so far from the source material that people are going to be like, well, this is more like Ladybird, or, you know, that, that it's, it's so different that it loses. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Nathan had something. I mean, I'm going to interrupt Nathan because he's a man. So I can do that. I, I, we're, I bet we're really getting into the weeds there in terms of like the the pathos or not the pathos the ethos of criticism and art artistic criticism and what defines quality and is it missed potential or is it uh, just active bad things I don't know I would be skeptical of anyone who says that this is why movies should be made I, if a movie wants to be a message movie I think that that's a as valid a reason to make a movie as any other. What I was going to say, what I forgot about was that I do want to acknowledge that because of our different perspectives, um, and I can't speak for Nathan here because I'm not, he hasn't, he's been talked over too much for us to know exactly where he stands on this. But I do, this is going to sound incredibly cringe, but I do have kind of have the privilege of being able to put a higher premium on storytelling because these issues aren't as personal to me as they are to Lydia. And because the stories that are personal to you get told more often, right? Like I, I sort of had this feeling when Nathan was criticizing um, the splash page in Avengers Endgame, right? Where all of the women show up and they're like, <laughs> Nathan, oh, you yeah. sexist pig. <laughs> Nathan doesn't like that very much. He was like, oh, it's so dumb. And and after dumb. talking to Nathan, I was like, yeah, that was totally just pandering. But when I was in the movie theater, I, I cried when I saw that. Because I had never gotten to see that before. I had never seen the splash page montage of women superheroes all lined up to beat up the villain, right? But you see that all the time for dudes. And so, like, now I'm like, yeah, that is pandering and it's dumb that it was in there. But it was also still really meaningful to me because I had I had never seen that before. And I haven't seen it since. And it's not like Avengers Endgame came out last year. Like, that, that's still unique. And so I think that there's also, that's a valid point of there can be sometimes this this like, well, we don't want to be too hard on it because it's the only representation or it's the only story we've got. And if we're too hard on it, then, you know, we'll never get anything else. But does that then mean that you're not holding that to a high enough standard? I guess the hope is over time, as you get more stories, the standard and quality will increase. Sorry for jumping all over you, Elliot. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, Lydia's, Lydia's very misandrist, I think is the word. Yes. We're throwing around a lot of accusations. Nathan, you've been very patient. <laughs> Let's hear what you have to say. Well, I just, you know, I want to turn the discussion back to the the movie. The only thing I would say on on this sort of topic is I agree with everything you guys have said up to this point. The reason I find movies fascinating is because when you enter a movie theater, you bring 
your entire life experience into that theater with you. And that movie becomes a part of that experience. And that movie and your experience in that movie is informed by everything you've done and lived up to that moment. And I think the worst thing we could ever do is undervalue our own experience in regards to that movie. And that I think applies to both of you. It applies to Lydia, right? Sitting in Avengers Endgame and crying, seeing what was, in my opinion, a really stupid moment in the movie. And that applies to Elliot watching a movie not really made for him and thinking, dang, this could be a lot better or more interesting. So I think, I, you know, I think both of you are right. At, you know, everyone who puts in any amount of critical thought and then reviews a movie, they're right. You know, that's their opinion on the movie. To bring it back to the actual movie we're discussing <laughs> right now, I just wanted to say we have not talked enough about how amazing Ryan Gosling is in this movie. It was criminal of them to make such a pro-feminist, pro-woman movie and then give Ryan Gosling all, like, everything he needs to steal every scene in the film. He is so funny. He is acting way better than he that needs to in this movie. And I, I've already said that I think Ken's arc of, you know, feeling very undervalued and then, right, kind of getting this glimpse of being overvalued and then, you know, discovering like, hey, I can, you know, make this work. I can make this happen in Barbie land. But then still, right, he still doesn't experience any amount of self-actualization through creating the patriarchy in Barbie land. He's still fundamentally upset and kind of lamely trying to get Barbie to like him, which is a really, you know, pathetic thing to do. But I, I just, I love Ken in this movie. His outfits are amazing. The gag where he puts on two sunglasses, so funny. It is just, and he, uh, if you haven't been watching interviews with Ryan Gosling in the buildup to this movie, you are missing out. He is so funny in all of them. He's constantly throwing in Ken puns. Like, he's like, I brought the Kennergy every day. I've been Kenning all over the place. Every day on set, I show up and Ken. It is so funny. He's a national treasure, and I love him in this movie. I agree. I was also very impressed with Ryan Gosling in this movie. I, frankly, have not been impressed with Ryan Gosling in other movies I have seen him in. I have seen him in La La Land and The Notebook. And granted, like, just those two movies, but I feel like he's kind of always plays this, like, dopey sad boy <laughs> what wow that is a terrible i know i just said like experience and criticism that was a horrible take bad opinion lydia i haven't been really impressed with him but i was really impressed in this movie i thought that he similar to margot robbie took a character that maybe really only has one emotion and just blew it out of the water and went ham on that one emotion, but also a bunch of emotions. I appreciate Nathan, your analysis about Ken's story, because that was the thing that I was honestly the most frustrated about in this movie was I felt that Ken's storyline at the end, just really (laughs) at the end (laughs) that it was like, we'll give him, you know, like a, 
a positive cat poster and then that'll be good. <laughs> um, but your analysis of like, he tried to find meaning exclusively relative to Barbie and then he swung to the other end basically and, and finding meaning exclusively relative to his position as a man. And so finding it in the patriarchy and neither one of those really brought him happiness. And then like, Oh, Barbie saying like, no, you need to, to know that you are enough <laughs> all by yourself. <laughs> I think that that, so I appreciate that analysis, but also pointing out that like, there isn't any, I, I still don't think that there's a full, moment for Ken where he really steps into that but also it's not really his story um but yeah I also thought Ryan Gosling did a great job and the point about the sunglasses I saw online from Ryan Gosling uh two pairs of sunglasses because you always need to have an extra pair for Barbie if she needs one (laughs) wow that's uh, that's embarrassing uh so two things first of all I just want to say that Lydia's views are not reflective of the views of Magellan's at the movies we here at this institution are fully supportive of Ryan Gosling's career and his talent um (laughs) the other thing is I also this is probably obviously something that I'm more well positioned to appreciate is that I I liked Ken's storyline I feel like there was We're going to talk about potential here again. I feel like there was more potential to, and this is this is less of a problem because, like Lydia said, this it would be it would be taking a lot of thematic real estate in a movie that is very focused on what it wants to talk about. But I liked how um, the Kens were able to, at the end, form a brotherhood, a sort of brotherhood, or sort of friendships that weren't based on the kind of usual tedious male posturing or domineering that they had displayed when Ken took over. That, you know, the one Ken, I said, you know, again, it's it's absurd. It's the real enemy here. Um, the Ken that Ryan Gosling had been feuding with the whole time, Simu Liu, when Ryan Gosling is like tearing off his clothes and saying, I look so stupid. And Simu Liu is just saying, the, the other guys are just saying like, no, you look so cool. Like that's a much more healthy model for uh, friendships than what you can sometimes get. And I thought that that was, I appreciated that, that you probably could have done more with it, but I don't think it's a big deal because as we've said already, this, this movie knows exactly what it wants to be about. And that's, that's, that's obviously that's fine. I feel like we're wrapping up. So I there's something I have to mention. I came into this podcast with one thing that I had to mention. My favorite part of this movie was when Barbie was sitting at the bus stop doing her vision thing. And there's an old woman sitting next to her. And Barbie comes out of the vision and looks at the old woman and says, you're beautiful. And the old woman says, I know. I I'm so glad that was in there. I'm so excited it was in there. It was so cool to see the, the you know, we've talked a lot about themes, right? But the, the symbolism of Barbie as the epitome of female beauty, which if you have talked to women at all about what's one of the problems with society's take on female beauty, the biggest one is aging. That aging is not seen as beautiful. That's why we have a cosmetic industry that, you know, sells women on products that are anti-aging. So to have what is the epitome of female beauty, to look at an old woman and say, you are beautiful, I thought was beautiful. 
and very inviting. And I thought the woman would say thank you, but then for her to say I know, I thought was also an excellent choice because there is, again, this tendency because women are viewed as less valuable and less beautiful as they age for that woman to say, I know I'm beautiful. I don't need you to tell me that. Like for her to be centered in her power and in herself that way, I thought was just really cool. It's a it's a meaningless scene. Like it doesn't move the plot forward in any way. But I just thought that 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 the directors and the writers would take that moment to acknowledge that and to put that in there, I think is really good because it kind of heads off the, the critique of Barbie and some of the things that she stands for, that it is very young centered. And then, you know, where is the place for the older women? And, and yeah, I just, I thought it was fantastic. That was my favorite part. That's very nice. I saw an interview with Greta Gerwig where she she talked about that that scene was the hardest one for her to convince the executives in the studio to keep in. That that was like the first one on the chopping block and also the one that she kind of fought hardest for to keep in the movie. And I've had some friends similarly be like, that didn't really feel like it served any point in the film. But I, you know, again, I love hearing people's personal experience with the thing. So well, I, and I think it's very... sort of like what, what Ruth is saying at the end, right? Our mothers stand still so that mothers stand still so that their daughters can see how far they come. It is a little bit of this, this moment of acknowledging, thank you for what you've done. Um, so yeah, I'm knowing that I'm super glad that she fought for it because it is, I think it is a meaningful scene, even though it doesn't move the plot forward. I think that it's, it's, it's powerful to have, because there are like, Ruth is an old woman and then there's this and that's it, right? Like you have a mom who's middle-aged and everyone else is young. Everyone else is, you know, very much traditionally attractive. I mean, that's part of the point, right? But to have this moment where it's saying for Barbie, right? Like stereotypical Barbie. She hasn't had this moment of realization of what the world really is, right? For stereotypical Barbie to look at an old woman and say, you're beautiful to recognize the beauty in her is, is powerful. And that's what women should do, right? Like women should build up other women because we have more power when we do that than, you know, the tendency to tear down. So getting a little preachy on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, wow. Thank good thank goodness <laughs> we asked you to be on it. Oh yeah. Um, Elliot, do you have any closing thoughts or final thoughts before we get into a final rating here? Uh don't think so. Uh just to do a quick round of the technical aspects. Uh Greta Gerwig is a great director, so she knows how to shoot movies. Uh and also obviously a big part of that is the cinematographer. Great work there. Uh, the music was good. It was appropriate for uh, what was happening. It's not something I would listen to casually, but it is. It did its job well. Um, and uh, yeah, I was I was perfectly satisfied with everything on the technical aspect. It was de- this movie was definitely even when it was in the real world, it was kind of taking place in a slightly exaggerated version of the real world. Like I don't think Mattel actually meets in the top floor of an office building that's shaped like a heart or that's painted with a bunch of hearts in it. That probably doesn't happen. 
but still, uh, so I thought that the lighting and the color saturation did a good job to further that, to kind of communicate that this is this is a bit skewed. This we're not perfectly in the real world here. Um, so yeah, good stuff, everyone. Lighting crew, set design, costume designers, give yourself handshakes, hugs all around. Um, yeah, I don't think I really have any final thoughts. I think Michael Sarah is so funny. Alan, underused character, in my opinion. Um, I also, I, I don't really, and this is tying back to some of the negatives I talked about a while ago. I don't really understand the point of the commercial that comes like in the middle of the movie of depressed Barbie. It got the most laughs in our theater, or at least I felt like it was when, she, especially when she said she just wants to like sit in her sweatpants and watch the BBC's Pride and Prejudice. A lot of people laughed at that. So maybe that's a more relatable experience than I think. I personally would watch the BBC's adaptation of War and Peace, but to each their own. But I thought that was a weird, besides not having much to do with the plot, it was also the only time they kind of did a gag like that. So I felt kind of the same way that Elliot, you felt about the clothes hanging in the air and doing the thing that it was funny sort it was i found it reasonably funny but in terms of style it was kind of goofy lydia do you have any you know i don't want to awaken the beast here and listen to <laughs> another 30 minutes of feminist theory but lydia do you have any final thoughts no my my final thought was about the scene at the bus stop i think i've said all of the things that i wanted to say uh yeah i enjoyed it a lot <laughs> Well, that, that's what really matters. Um, I'll go first then, because I, you know, so Lydia has time to come up with her unique grading system, and I Elliot has one. time to figure out how much of a feminist he wants to be before <laughs> rating this movie. How much of an ally he wants to be. Yeah, exactly. I enjoyed this quite a bit. I think the first hour, I was just tickled pink. I think it's so funny. So much of the style is so good. The production design is amazing. Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie, so good. I think the ideas of the movie and the just arc of the movie gets lost in the sauce somewhat, especially later in the film. There's some things that don't make sense to me that I think maybe weren't really designed for me, which is okay, but you know, I can only watch the movie as what I am, which is a dude. So at the end of the day, I like this quite a bit. I'm more than happy to see this as the highest, the best box office opening weekend for a female director. Hopefully it goes on to be the highest grossing. That would be neat. Um, But yeah, I think at the end of the day, I'm going to give it like a 7.6 out of 10. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but there's, you know, there's just some stuff that knock it down a bit for me. All right. Uh, I'll go next. So this is this has been a real, a real conflict for me, a real internal war. Um, I, I just want to say, I reiterate that I don't disagree with anything that Lydia has said or that Nathan has said in praise of this movie. I feel like I may be more at this point more sympathetic to this movie than I am outright admiring of it. Um, I think that everyone deserves to see themselves on the big screen and see their. Uh, their troubles, especially when you're like 50% of the population, uh, see your troubles 
brought to the silver screen and um, talked about in this manner. The, not every movie has to be a perfect cross-section of every conceivable variety of the human experience. So the fact that I don't personally relate to a lot of it, I don't really take anything, I don't really detract anything from the movie for that. But like Nathan said, I can really only rate them i can't rate the movie based on anyone else's experience of my own i can say that this is a higher rating than i was originally planning to give because i do think that i undersold uh how much greta gerwig and the writers were doing with this movie and of course you've got the actors and the technical aspects firing so at in the end of the day i think i'm going to give it a b a strong b uh definitely above average movie uh, my, in case you were wondering, my original rating was a C plus. So. Elliot, just for the record, Greta Gerwig and the writers, it, the writers were Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. There were two writers. <sighs> Cut that you bit. Like- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my unique uh, grading scale will be a percentage scale. <laughs> oh. I mean, that's not bad. It's better than AJ's orange. <laughs> um so i would give this movie a solid 90 percent um i think you might initially be like wow that seems low for how much you liked it but uh remember i am a teacher who grades tests of like 25 points so 90 percent means you've lost two and a half points so that is also sort of informing my decision i think the I think overall it's a lovely, well done film that I really enjoyed. Um, I did not like some of the nonsense with Mattel, and at the end of the day, I just I don't think that it's a perfect movie, right? Because uh, to be perfect, you have to perfectly do every single thing, and I don't think that it did perfectly every single little thing. But overall, it was it was very very excellent. So. 90%. Amazing. All right. Well, let's try and speed through speed through recommendations as fast as possible. So I'll go first. I'm going to recommend a movie from uh, the woman who is widely considered, at least from my view of cinema, the greatest female director in cinema's history. That's Agnes Varda, French director, incredibly talented Elliot's never heard of her which is embarrassing for him no I think it's embarrassing for you (laughs) um incredibly talented director she was kind of pivotal to the French new wave movement one of the most important movements in film history she gets kind of undervalued in that the genesis of that kind of movement because she's a woman but I'm gonna recommend Cleo from five to seven which is a 90-minute movie that follows the actress Cleo as she waits to get test results on, like, I think it's a cancer test, something like that. As she waits from five to seven to get these results back and see if she's going to, you know, die. Uh, It's a fantastic movie. A lot of French New Wave movies are all style and no substance. This movie is incredibly stylish and has a lot of substance. Cleo is one of the most relatable characters I've ever seen in a movie, which is part of the reason why I'm recommending it. I think she speaks 
not just to a female experience, but to a human experience of she's on the precipice of maybe having to think about death. And so she's starting to kind of reevaluate some of the things like her relationship with her boyfriend, her art that she's been creating, her music, her acting. She's just reevaluating some of these things in the same way that, you know, Barbie is reevaluating some of these things in her movie. But it's so good. So amazing. It's such a nice, breezy, fun film. I'm a huge fan of it. Watch it. And then watch other Agnes Varda movies because she's a very talented woman. That's what you call speeding through a recommendation? Hey, okay, I started talking and then then I remembered that I really enjoy the movie. (laughs) All right, let let me show you how it's done. My recommendation is a half cheat because it's from the same director, but it's Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. Great movie about, uh, it's the movie that sort of catapulted her into stardom as a director rather than an actress. It's a great movie about a it's coming of age story about Lady Bird uh, slash I actually I can't even remember what her real name is, but her chafing against the oncoming train of womanhood and going to college while also dealing with an overbearing kind of demanding mother. Like I said earlier, this movie d- takes a much more nuanced view of the mother than a lot of these types of movies would. If you liked the mother-daughter subplot of Barbie, I think that this movie would probably be perfect for you because it's similar to that, just writ large. Saoirse Ronan is one of my favorite actresses. She's incredibly talented. Everyone in the cast does a great job. It's got the sad sad Oscar boy, which if you know, you know. Um, And yeah, it's probably my favorite Greta Gerwig movie, and it's a great watch. That was barely faster than mine. (laughs) Okay, it's still faster. So, Lydia, it's your turn. Elliot kind of stole the one that I wanted. So I'm going to recommend it's a movie called. Wow, I've taken a Life. lot of stuff from Lydia. It's a movie called Life Size, which was a 2000 movie from ABC. It's a Disney movie starring uh, Tyra Banks and Lindsay Lohan. TLDR, Lindsay Lohan gets a doll um, that is brought to life as uh, Lindsay Lohan's character is trying to bring to life her mom. I have not seen this in a long time because I didn't rewatch it before this recommendation, but I have incredibly fond memories of it. Uh, I think it's very similar to some of the themes in Barbie because you have a doll coming to life um, and figuring out how to navigate the world, but there is also some uh, reconciliation within families and that sort of thing. So that's my recommendation. I really, for a second there, I really thought that she had just Googled like movies like Barbie and then recommended the first one she saw. When she said, when she said, I have not seen it. I honestly thought for a split second, I was like, Lydia has just recommended a movie she has not seen. No, 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 no. I watched it. This was never a movie that I owned. This was a movie that Dara owned. And I watched it, I think more than once at her house and really liked it. And I've been thinking about it a lot lately And I was thinking like, oh, this might pair well with Barbie a little bit. So, Well, hey, I don't need to tell you guys that life is hard and full of disappointments. Good. Great. We always do this. Uh, Lydia, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, What did you, I think, don't we usually ask Elliot how much he liked 
the guest? No. That isn't that is something that you have just invented right now. No, I'm pretty sure I do that every time. Uh anyway, yeah. Thank you so much to Lydia for being on the podcast. It was great. You've really bloated the runtime of it quite a bit, which is unfortunate. That always happens when we have that always happens when we have a guest. That is true. Yeah. Well, and especially our family is awfully suspicious. Yeah. We have a tendency to maunder. So But thank you so much to li- for listening to this episode. If you did a Barbenheimer double feature, you can, you know, relive it this weekend. Listen to the Oppenheimer episode. We're, we're going to release them on the same day. So they, it should also be up right now whenever you're listening to this. But yeah, thanks for uh, listening in.